0: Blog Talk Radio.
1: This is the Funky Writer Show, all about the funk of writing. I'm your host and navigator, Robert Batista, author of the seminal novel Brooklyn Story and the powerful novella Carmela's Dream. The Funky Writer Show has been called the most informative eclectic outlet for all wordsmiths. Literati, now celebrating over seven years of dynamic writers talk radio. Why is the Funky Writers show so terrific? It's because I'm a writer, just like my guests, and I know that words are the breath of life. Connect with me on Twitter by going to the Funky If I can imagine the death of reality, then I can imagine a whole new world of possibilities. Spending many years writing and amending scripts for amateur theater, the more serious hobby of novel writing has had to take a back seat. Not anymore. This is part of a personal muse of today's guest, straight from the U.K., It doesn't get any better than this. On our show today, we have a singer, painter, comic actress, as well as we will discover today, a gifted writer and poet, Rita Ames. Welcome, Rita Ames, to the Funky Writers Show.
0: Good evening, Robert, and thank you for inviting me.
1: Well, well, Rita, it is an honor. Uh, I am such an awe of your talents, of your gifts, of your writing. So let's start at the beginning. So good having you on the Funky Writer Show. Rita, let's start off by you enlightening us on your Eyes in the Mirror, Freedom Series Book One, a crime detective thriller launching this month. What's it about, and how was it like? Writing a detective thriller.
0: Um, it was totally unexpected. I never, in my wildest imaginings, thought I'd ever write a, a crime thriller. I thought I'd end up being a, a romance writer um, or something along the paranormal lines, which I which I do do. But I somehow managed to write a thriller with Love You to Death, and then came up with an idea for Eyes in the Mirror based on uh, a news article about a police bust on a website about uh, identity fraud and theft. So I sort of played with that idea and came up with the idea of, you know, what would somebody do if they really had to disappear, disappear, um, if they were in a situation where they had to give up their identity or it was a life or death issue. So that's where where the the sort of idea sprung from, and uh, and that's that's really just the beginning, and it went from there.
1: You know, it's amazing how we authors and writers uh, get inspiration from from everywhere and every place. Plus, I love that title, Eyes in the Mirror, it makes you want to pick up the book and and read it. So, Rita, you have such a vast and storied artistic portfolio, but of course, today we will concentrate on the literary aspect. Let's talk about the first book you published. What was it, and who was the publisher?
0: Okay, um, I'm totally self-taught and self-published. So um, Kindle and Amazon are an amazing platform, which means that you know, if you have a wish to write a book, if you have the perseverance and the, the wish to learn how to do it, you can actually get your book out there. And uh, if people like it then and review it well, then, you know, hopefully a little bit of success follows that. Um, the first book I wrote was called If the Shoe Fits, and it is an adult contemporary romance. It's a little bit of a spin on, on a modern Cinderella story. And it's a little bit of a homage to my mum's, complete Imelda Marcos obsession with shoes although she may (laughs) never read it because of the uh, content (laughs) she knows that uh, she prompted the idea of the, the shoes being on the book
1: well for those of you who don't know who Imelda Marcos is she was the wife of a former Philippine president Fernando Marcos and she was famous for having over I think 10,000 pairs of shoes, or maybe more, so (laughs) I love the juxtaposition. I I think
0: my mom's aiming in that direction, definitely.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, so uh, kudos to mom. Um, I know you're adept at writing from your theater days, writing and amending scripts, but talk about Mm -hmm. how the transition was for you to actually begin writing novels and short stories. Uh, Was it Challenging or relatively seamless.
0: Well, I've always I've always written at home, and I've always had you know files in my computer with little ideas there. Some of them some of them turned into little bits of plays and scripts. Uh, mostly, I I did a lot of pantomime script writing. I did write a complete show of my own, which I was lucky enough to have produced and performed. Um but I did a lot of script doctoring for uh, family pantomimes and I wrote a lot of songs which uh, gave gave me a, a chance to use my rhyming poetry um with a bit of humor so now <laughs> I'm using the, that in in my poetry which is quite quite good fun at the moment
1: so family pantomimes, uh, some of people in our audience may not understand what that exactly is. Can you uh inform us on what exactly are family pantomimes?
0: Uh yeah, the the essential pantomime usually has a hero, a heroine, a baddie who who gets a lot of booing and hissing. There is usually a journey uh, or a quest followed by lots of different uh, weddings at the end where the prince marries the princess and uh, the baddie gets hauled off to jail. Uh, And along the way, there are lots of uh, mishaps, lots of, oh, yes, he did, and oh, no, he didn't. And uh, if possible, you can uh, get the children up for a bit of interaction. So uh, it's just generally really lighthearted, very funny, and usually includes an awful lot of ad-libbing. So uh, you have to be really quick on your toes when, and stay in character when you're on stage because nothing ever goes right in a pantomime. And the funniest bits are usually the outtakes.
1: So um, getting back to you uh, working and becoming a novelist, and you said you jumped right into Kindle without any real form of training or anything like that. Um how did you find uh jumping in, like who did your editing? Did you self editing edit? Um, how was that for you? Who did the editing for you before you actually published your work?
0: Um, I am self edited. I do have uh my mum does a lot of my proofreading and I have a, a really tight group now of of proofreaders uh that give me feedback. Um, tell me if they think I've got a timeline wrong or a character needs more work. So I take. I'm not precious at all. I believe you must listen, you know, and listen and take that feedback. You're always learning. You, you can never turn around and say that's my book and I'm happy with it and don't don't say anything. I like to hear, you know, if people don't like it. I want to know why. You know, is it? Do they not like it in a good way because they really enjoyed the the book and it just annoyed them, or? Did they not like it because I got it wrong? And if that's the case, I need to take that on board and I need to work harder. You know, the whole point is that I write the stories because I love to write, but I also want my readers to really get on board with it and understand and believe that story and those characters.
1: Reader, your authoring range is astounding, from tender romance to exciting thrillers to juicy erotica. How easy is it to move among these genres, and which one is the most fun to write?
0: Um, I think actually the most fun have been uh, the latest one that I haven't published yet is the paranormal one. It's the first time I've tried uh, tried touching on sort of witches and vi- vampires and, and going a little bit more into the fantasy realms. So I'm allowing my imagination to to have a little bit more. Uh, well, I suppose I use my imagination all the time, really, but I'm allowing it to go a little bit of, in, on a flight of fancy with this one. Um, and, and chopping between the t- two or three genres really was started as a, a way of, of getting around my writer's block. Because when I when I came up, I wrote myself to a wall in one book. I could then switch to a totally different genre, um, which which sort of cleaned the the page for me in my brain. So that's how it sort of started, really. So I tend to always have two on the go at the same time for that reason.
1: Very interesting. Now you're talking about now you're even branching out to paranormal. Um, do you have a working <laughs> title to this upcoming per, uh, paranormal story?
0: Um, well, uh yes, I mean, really, I just... I got talking to another author, and I've done a, a short story book with her, and she does a uh, sort of shifter romance. And uh, she got me thinking along the lines of, of branching out and having a go at the paranormal. So, uh, yeah, I, I like to, to write stories which don't have an expected uh, plot line. I like to twist it unexpectedly or turn a character right. a different way. Right. So uh, that's that's what I'm doing with this one. Definitely, it's a little bit out of out of the ordinary.
1: Good to hear. And if anyone's Good read hear. my
0: book, say no, I do that in all of them.
1: Yeah, I think that is such a great uh, way to to do a story by having all kind of not expected plot twists and turns. It's it makes the book very fun and interesting to read. So, Rita, on top of all these wonderful projectations, deep inside. You are also an ethereal poet. What does mm-hmm. writing poet What does writing poetry do for you deep in your spirit? Um,
0: I think it allows me an outlet to some of the deeper feelings I have that maybe I can't find a character in a in a book at the time to to uh, lay that onto. So, you know, I occasionally... You know, at the moment, I've got a very good friend who's just been diagnosed with a, a second cancer. And so, you know, I have one or two poems that are that are touching on the darkness of that. Um, it, it sort of allows me to sort of put emotions onto the page, really. And sometimes I have quite a, a comical view of things or something about myself that I think is a bit ridiculous. So it gives me an outlet to... Uh, let let everyone laugh along at me as well as with me.
1: Rita, you have graciously agreed to read one of your poetic works for us today. Can you set this piece up for us before you recite it?
0: Yeah, I've actually written this one. Uh, it's a new one, so no one's ever seen it or heard it before. It I'm is a little honored. bit funny. Well in my in my job, my day job, I work in healthcare and uh, I spent a day or two this week arranging delivery of hundreds of uh, gel cushions for people's sore bottoms. <laughs> we had a backlog and they all came in and that's what I was doing. So I had bottoms on the brain for two days. <laughs> so my poem is called The Bum Deal.
1: It's not necessarily
0: about bottoms as such, but that's where, you know, too much time thinking about the same thing tends to uh, spark something, and then I have to get my pen out quickly and write something down.
1: Beautiful. Can you recite it for us?
0: I will, if you like. Um, So this is called The Bum Deal. Now, I know you might be wondering if this is all about my bum and if I've done a deal to get a smaller one. And if so, am I willing to share that deal with you? But then what fun in that, if you were skinny too? My eyes glaze over as I dream of a waist of two hand spans. A slinky dress above the knee, heels higher than two tin cans. A splash of red upon my lips can finish off this look. All eyes will light upon my hips, wondering what pill was it she took. The truth is bleak as winter snow. The real bum deal is this your man should love you as you are and seal it with a kiss. So, with a very knowing wink, I'll leave you all to guess how big I was before I squeezed into this dress. (laughs) There you go.
1: Bravo. Oh, man, I, I love that. <laughs> that was great, great. I do do more
0: serious ones, but I do like to like to have a little laugh.
1: And, and so, do, so do I, and, and our audience also. That was fantastic. Rita, recently, Night Flames, a collection of five amazingly hot and steamy fantasies, came out. It's a collaboration <laughs> between you and Raven Delahunty. Talk about the germination of your partnership with Raymond Raven, sorry, and how you both came to collaborate on this sexy, steamy masterpiece.
0: Okay, well, Raven is my new friend across the water in the U.S. Um, she is, uh, she has wolves, and she writes very, very sexy shifter romance novels. Uh, her first book is The Last White Wolf, and she is currently in editing process on her sequel. And just, uh, I just came across her on Twitter, and as you do sometimes, you do a little direct message, and sometimes somebody says something, and you do a one-liner back, and we somehow sparked a conversation. Right. And it all turned around uh, with us calling each other and having about a two-hour chat and coming up with the idea to write some short stories. I was more into my crime novel at the time, so I didn't have time to do another uh, romance. So short stories were a good outlet for the more erotic side of my writing. And it seemed like a good fit for both of us. So uh, we put five stories together and we've designed a cover and we've got it out there. Uh, So we're planning a second one. Uh, it may take a, a few weeks to uh, to get that uh, ready, but uh, it is in the in it's in the plans. But Excellent. I'm really enjoying it. It's great working with a, a US author. I've I've got several US authors that I speak to who I now consider you know new friends, and uh, I just wish I lived close enough to have a coffee with them every now and then.
1: Well, maybe you can have a virtual coffee if you haven't done already. Uh, Rita, on the flip side you've written a highly acclaimed erotic story called If the Shoe Fits, as you spoke of earlier, which has Mm -hmm. gotten monster reviews on Amazon.com. All in all, you seem extremely comfortable delving into the deliciously popular genre of erotica. (laughs) Is there two sides to Rita Ames or just multi-layers of the same individual?
0: Uh, Well, I'll make a confession. When I decided I was going to uh, bite the bullet and make my first book, An Erotic Contemporary Romance, I opened up a Word document and I spent a whole evening typing all the rude four-letter words I could think of that I was going to have to (laughs) use in the book. So I had to desensitize myself and stop blushing in my own office (laughs) so that I could could do it properly I wanted to describe it the right way I wanted to make it romantic descriptive and hot not like um you know there, there is a little bit at the beginning maybe that might seem a little more cold and hard at the start but it is essentially a real romance it's it's just to show that people can meet in the most unusual ways even if it is a you know an anonymous hookup that then grows at a later date. So I wanted to just show that, you know, you've got to keep your mind open and your heart open, that you never know where you're going to meet Mr. Right or Miss Right, so don't always close the door because the situation isn't perfect.
1: So um, in preparation for writing If the Shoe Fits and to get into the mood, did you read a lot of uh, erotic stories to prepare you or or as a guideline, or did you just jump right in?
0: I didn't read any erotic stories uh, as a form of research. Um, I always read a really broad spectrum anyway because I'm just an avid reader. I sort of soak up. I'm a speed reader. Um, right. But yes, I, I mean, I do learn from reading other. I know what I like and I know what I don't like, so therefore I try to apply that to to my own writing.
1: So on the same note, let's dive right into Rita Ames, the person. What would <laughs> you say your childhood was like? Were you a re- rebellious? As a child, were you a conformist or a little bit of both? Uh,
0: I was nicknamed at my first school as the White Tornado. And I had a very big <laughs> well, that that with bright red ribbons. I used to hare around the uh, the playground like the little white ball, so they called me the the White Tornado.
1: The White so they used Tornado to fuck people
0: with my pigtails. Mm. Very hyper. I am very hyper sometimes. So uh, I can get very excitable Especially, and very passionate about something. And if I'm very passionate about something, sometimes people have to say, Rita, time to shut up now.
1: <laughs> but I've learnt
0: to listen to that. <laughs> so, but yeah, um, uh, my, 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 on... my childhood was...
1: Mm-hmm, go ahead.
0: My childhood was very very normal working class very happy i had great grandparents and was lucky to have all four of those up until uh probably 30ish so right
1: um
0: i've i can't complain about my childhood at all so uh i've i've enjoyed my life up to this point and i'm still enjoying it
1: Oh, that's an excellent thing. So, staying on that note, who were some of the authors you enjoyed reading as a young child and teenager? And what were some of the books that affected you the most back in those days?
0: Uh, My all-time favorite is the Wizard of Earthsea trilogy by Ursula Le Guin. For me, uh, Harry Potter was never going to make an impact because... Jed in the Wizard of Earthsea was the original boy wizard, uh, so you know I've stayed true to that. And although I enjoy the Harry Potter books and the films, I still think Ursula Le Guin's trilogy shines far above. Um, I then progressed to David Gemmell. I love a I love a good fantasy fiction, and uh, you know, gives me warriors any day of the. You know, I love a good fight. I love a good set of armor, and he—he uh, he is a, a king of fantasy fiction. And I really enjoy a good horror book. I read Stephen King, James Herbert, Dean Koontz. Dean Koontz scares me. He's very good at the you know the psychological thriller side of of, of horror writing, and I love it. Right. So uh, yeah, I'm very broadly read. <laughs>
1: sounds like it um now i know you also did some work on the stage and you talked about some of the other things and um that has always been fascinating to me uh, an author that's also been on the stage do you still uh, are you still on the stage at times or is that uh, did you retire from that
0: um i've had a year off because um i damaged my knee chasing a camel off the stage I needed a small operation. I finally uh, realized a dream to play a dame in pantomime. I finally got old enough and (laughs) could do the voice. (laughs) So uh, I had a great time, but uh, two 16-year-old lads in a camel costume did for my knee, chasing them down the steps.
1: (laughs) So how's your knee now?
0: it's uh it's well on the road to recovery a little bit more physio um the only problem is now i've taken up the writing is whether i've got the time for the rehearsing and the performing so i might still do a bit of i might write another script for uh, a theater show or something but i don't know how much time i will do the performing for but I'd still so i still enjoy it i love playing a character
1: Yes, yes, it sounds like it. So let me ask you this reader some Some authors can whip out a pen or a laptop anywhere at any time and be creative, but some need a special time, like in the morning or another time to write and and create which one are you um
0: I can do it any time. The poetry, unfortunately, if my mind has a few minutes of stillness, it it will come up with a really good couple of verses at a most inopportune moment. I've, I've rushed out of the loo in the pub, you know, and grabbed bits of paper to write down things. So it, it, sitting on the toilet is definitely one of those places where your mind comes up with some unusual ideas.
1: Um <laughs> I understand that.
0: <laughs> but I do I do find it's really unusual and I don't know quite why it it affects me but I do find if I go on holiday I can sit with my laptop around a pool while everyone else is sunbathing sit there with my L- long island iced tea and I can I in a week I can reel off 90 good pages. If I if I thought people wouldn't think I was mad I would sit in the coffee shop with the white noise of people all around me because I find that when I've got that, I can focus in on the, on the page.
1: Right, right. I'm the same way. is
0: not a good thing.
1: I'm the same way I can write anywhere, anytime. And I love that stimulation of a, of a restaurant or a coffee shop or something like that to, to be creative. So Rita, let's talk social media. I know you're on some of the social media platforms, such as Goodreads and Twitter. Of the social media platforms, which one do you feel is the most beneficial for your brand? And which, in your estimation, is the best for authors? Or does each platform offer its own special compensations?
0: I think they all offer something. I think as an author, if you, you have to commit to the self-promotion especially right. if you're self-published. Um and I think you do have I've I've spent a few months now just trying to get my brand uh more visible by basically signing up and putting myself out and my books on as many platforms as I can. Right. And I do try to take the time to interact if someone's got a comment or wants to talk about my books or you know just ask something about a poem. I'm, I always reply, so if you've if you've made a comment on a poem on Scriggler, then you know that I always reply and I appreciate everything. Um, I find that's a really good inspiration as well, to interact with people, especially right. all over the world.
1: So, what's I think Twitter, next? I think
0: Twitter probably is my favourite.
1: Yeah, yeah, I love Twitter myself. So what's next for Rita Ames? I know you talked about your upcoming paranormal uh, book. Um but what other irons do you have in the fire coming up?
0: Uh, well, my collection of poetry is is building and I okay. have a, you know, just just for myself whether whether it does much in a commercial way, I would like to publish a, a book of poetry. And possibly include some nice illustrations in that. So that's on a to-do list. Um, I have got a, a, an idea for a children's book, but again, the the illustration is the uh, the, the drawback there. So uh, that that again is on the on the pile there to uh, look at at a later date. Um, getting to number one in the poetry charts on Scriggler again for the third month in a row is also on my list. <laughs>
1: Oh wow, congratulations. Uh, so, I've started the
0: campaign on that. So, uh yeah, I really I just want to keep keep writing. I've got book 2 of the uh Freedom series. Uh I I have now broken the uh, the first page. So that that has started its role, and I'm sure it will grab a hold of me very shortly and I'll I'll be stuck with it for a, a few months.
1: <laughs> so as far as I I know, the only genre you haven't conquered is screenwriting for films, and maybe even possibly turning one or more of your books into films, or have you started Mm -hmm. that already?
0: Uh, Well, long, long, long time ago, when I did my A-levels, there was a a small amount of uh, media and script writing in the course, and I've recently done a creative writing course at Bournemouth University with uh, Tim John who's known as the Hollywood script doctor okay and you know it's been it was really interesting and one of my books love you to death uh is is a really good i think uh possibility for a movie i could see that being a movie and i would absolutely love it if uh, anybody wanted to take that up as a movie and I'd love to be involved in helping with the screenplay as well.
1: That uh, sounds it's a little bit Dexter-like. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but it is. That uh, sounds I wanted the reader
0: to like uh, like the character. I wanted to uh, turn it on the head, and and for them to actually start rooting for a serial killer. You know, and and could could he be forgiven if he lost his memory? So uh, it, it it draws the reader in. To his world, um, and makes them almost want him to to do well, <laughs> which is a, a little bit unusual, I think, for a, a book about a nasty serial killer.
1: Awesome stuff, very very awesome. Uh, Rita, give out your contact information. Uh, how do people contact you through Twitter, through your website? Uh, give out any contact information you'd like.
0: Okay, you can follow me on Twitter on at Rita Ames Author. Uh, I am also on Facebook. Uh, My Facebook uh, link is on my profile page on Twitter as well as my About Me page which gives a a bit of a bio and information on my books. If you Google Rita Ames on Amazon, you will see all of my books on my author page, so please feel free to have a look. If you want to email me any comments uh, for a chat, anything, uh, it's uh, lowercase rdm underscore author at com, And just come and have a chat on Twitter or anywhere. Tell me what you think about my uh, poems. I'm on scriggler.com, so you can sign up and read loads of really talented authors' short stories and poems and prequels to their books. So I definitely recommend. Um, and I'm also on a, a site called Writers Community as well, so writerscommunity.co.uk. So that's how you can find me. I'm very very visible now after all the work I've been doing. At least I hope so. And if you can't find me, please email me.
1: <laughs> this has been the Funky Writer Show with me Robert Batista. I'm at, at @authorrbatista on Twitter. You can find my ebooks on smashwords.com and my novels on amazon.com. My is... Has been the completely artistic dynamo of creativity, Rena Ames, who I call the natural, and her latest in the power is the powerful pot boiler, Eyes in the Mirror. Thank you so much, Rita, for being a guest on the funky writer show.
0: Thank you, Robert, for having me. I have thoroughly enjoyed it.
1: It was fantastic. Talk to you later bye now
0: bye bye.